0: let us turn now to our text for this morning second Timothy chapter 1 having um, worked through first Timothy together ending a few months ago and uh, having uh, gone through Ruth and some other Old Testament texts we now come back to the New Testament and we come to second uh, Timothy and we look this morning at the first Twelve verses of Second Timothy. That's page one thousand two hundred sixty seven. In most of the ESV Bibles under the seats. And let us hear now the Holy Word of God. 2 Timothy, beginning at chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. So far, the reading of the Holy Word of God. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, do you have a memory which stays in your mind, whether you want it to stay in your mind or not? Maybe there's something trivial you remember. It's just a random fact that stays in your mind. Or maybe there's uh, something painful uh, that you remember, an evil committed against you. Or maybe there's something sad that you remember, a sin which you yourself committed. Well, these are thoughts which stay in our mind randomly or sadly. They stay in our mind whether we don't care if they stay in our mind or if we wish we could forget them. These are thoughts which stay in our mind, but they are not cherished thoughts. They are not cherished memories. And then, brothers and sisters, we have other thoughts. We have other memories in our mind. And these might be a precious time with family and friends or a first time you did something special and it's a it's a special memory it's a cherished memory it's a memory which is in your mind and cherished in your mind you hold on to it well, brothers and sisters above all else there is there is one thing which must be cherished in our mind, which must be held in our mind and held dearly in our mind. And that is, that is the faith. That is, that is the trusting, holding, believing in Jesus Christ. And that's our theme this morning, brothers and sisters, to cherish the enduring value of true faith. And as uh, we work through our text, uh, just to note, there are, there are a number of things here which are specific to the, uh, to the preaching calling of Paul and to Timothy. Uh, we're not going to touch much on that. We may come back to it a little bit next week as we look at the end of the chapter. Uh, but there's, there's also words here that, that, that apply broadly. Even the fanning into flame of the gift in verse 6 that does have special reference at the end of verse 6 to Timothy's ordination. But it also, continuing in verse 7, speaks about his faith in the Holy Spirit in general. So just that, that word as we work through our text. We're, th- we're going to think in more general terms. We're not going to look at the uh, at the preaching calling of Paul and Timothy as specifically. And our three points this morning, brothers and sisters, are first, uh, and here if you're looking at your outline, you have a slight edit, to dwell in the faith. Dwell in the faith. And then second, rekindle the faith. And third, stand in the faith. Well, brothers and sisters, let's let's consider, even as we're not focusing on their, their preaching callings, uh, let's consider the Apostle Paul for a moment. He's writing this letter uh, from prison. And we see, looking ahead to verses 8 and, uh, and 11, that this is an imprisonment directly tied to his preaching. He's not in prison because he he broke some other law of the land. He's in prison because he preaches the gospel. This is why he's in prison in Rome. And he's ready for this suffering. The Apostle Paul is ready to live out this suffering for the faith, even specifically because he, he can endure this trial imprisonment specifically because he knows he's imprisoned for the faith. He is ready to endure this for the sake of the gospel. And then he says to Timothy, in this context, as one writing from prison, as one writing from prison, that Timothy also should share the end of verse eight in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And certainly, brothers and sisters, when we think about a sincere faith, when we think about a faith which is uh, something that someone dwells in, a faith which is lived in, and there's demonstration of that faith being lived out. And if we think of a, of a Christian in prison, well, that's a powerful testimony. If a Christian is, is in prison because of their Christian testimony, and if they endure that suffering willingly, gladly, that's, that's one way to display a sincere faith, to dwell in the faith, to live in and live out your faith but it is very plain in our text that you do not have to be in prison to demonstrate that you are living in the faith and living out that faith because what is the other context where we see sincere faith in the first verses of 1 Timothy the other context is a home across Three generations. Verse 5, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwells first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. People of God, where are we to dwell in, live in the faith, and to do so in such a way that it can be seen as a living out faith, displayed, the sincerity being visible to all. Well, we can do that in a prison cell. And praise the Lord for many believers who have done so. We can do that in our homes. We are called in whatever place, in whatever situation we have, to live in the faith in such a way that the true spiritual reality of our faith is seen and in, in being lived out. People can see it, people can see the sincerity. It's true for Paul in the prison cell, it's true for Timothy and for his mother and for his grandmother in the context of a home. The faith is a true spiritual reality for these believers. We can go back to the language of the salutation in the first two verses and we can say it this way. It is not only Paul who lives according, verse 1, to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. It is not only Paul and Timothy who uh, live by the grace, mercy, and peace which comes only from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And so then, brothers and sisters, we come and we... Take this and we say, well, what dwells in you? And dwelling in you, living in the faith, is your faith seen as something which is lived out wherever you are, in a prison, in a home, whatever situation in life you have. As a uh, Christian counselor uh, once used an illustration of if, if, our, if we're walking through life, and if our emotions are, are like a cup filled up, what's what's filling up that cup? Is the cup filled up with with, with water of, of peace? Is it is it clear? Or is it is it all kinds of of muddy and, and dirty and, and full of anger? And then as we're going through that life, like a cup, it's going to happen in our life, whether we're in a home or in a prison, that we bump into difficult situations. And when we bump into difficult situations, what, what spills over the edge of our cup? Are we dwelling in the faith? And then is that what's spilling out, what's being lived out, so that someone could look, look at us or look at our home across three generations and say, I give thanks for your sincere faith. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which dwelled first your mother and your grandmother. Thinking about that that image of, of the cup and, and what's spilled out, we consider the words of Jesus Christ when he spoke in, in Matthew uh, chapter 15 and when Jesus said these words in Matthew 15 verses 18 to 20. Matthew 15 verses 18 to 20. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. So again, walking around, bumping into life circumstances in all kinds of different places. What what bumps out? What spills over? Is it uh, anger and animosity or is it peace and patience well brothers and sisters surely it must be our prayer that we would live according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus and that that this would see, be seen then in, in how we live out and this is our hope and our prayer not just from uh, not just for one day but this is this is our prayer continually and we must continually be fanning the flame, rekindling our uh, lit life in faith. this is the image that the Apostle Paul gives to Timothy he says to Timothy that he must fan into flame the gift of God we see that in verse 6 and again it is it does have some reference to Timothy's office but we can think of this in broader terms as well and of the of the spirit verse 7 which Timothy has been given. And that even links to the Holy Spirit who dwells in you, looking ahead to verse 14. And so, brothers and sisters, we are called to have all of us, not just anyone who's ordained, but but all of us in the context of of the Spirit, in the context of is the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, we are all called to fan into flame our faith. We are all called to rekindle our faith. That's, That's another way this word could have been translated rekindle, fan into flame Now and this is one of those uh, illustrations which it's it's a little it's a little ways away from us in the 21st century because how is, how is our home heated? Well, for most of us, it's rather out of sight and out of mind. We don't think about our furnace very often. Maybe if the power goes out, we think about it a little bit, but we just it's mostly out of sight and out of mind. And certainly when we think about starting a furnace, most of us don't know how to fix it if it's broken. It's definitely not some visible rekindling of a flame. And then our homes are so well insulated that just this, this need for warmth. We don't think about it in the same way. We don't think about it in the same way. But think about this illustration. Before there are furnaces, before there are well-insulated homes, and maybe, maybe you've been in that kind of a situation briefly in your life. Maybe, uh, maybe like me, I can, I can think of one night in my life where this was, this was directly the illustration. This was exactly what was going on. My brother and I and a couple of friends we and we stayed a night in, it'd be too generous to call it a cabin because it wasn't that uh, it wasn't that sturdy, but we stayed in what might be called a, a little cabin and uh, there was no insulation, the wind went right through it, but there was a little wood burning stove. And when we when we went there and we're hanging out and we're playing Euchre and Pinochle and we're playing games and when that wood burning stove is going on that cold winter night, we were very warm and comfortable and were were enjoying a a time of friendship. And then we, we stayed the night there. We camped out in that little cabin. Well, let me tell you, we did not want that fire to go out. We were comfortable as long as the fire was burning. But we got up a couple of times in the night. To rekindle the flame, we're not protected by insulation. This was this was uh, this was not uh, a night in a home on a cold winter night where we can just take it all for granted and it's out of sight, out of mind. We're warm, we're comfortable. No, this was uh, we need this flame. Otherwise, this is not going to be comfortable. This is not going to be good, and brothers and sisters. We gotta we've got to think back to a necessary flame. Without the flame, it is coldness. It is death. That's the picture we have here. Not a not a time of furnaces and and well insulated homes. No, this is this is fan the flame. Because without the flame, you will you will die in the cold. That's the picture of how our spiritual life is to be. Yes, hear the gospel, heed the gospel, repent and believe, but but the faith is not a is not a just a one-time thing. It's something which is to be continually lived out, to be continually cherished to cherish the enduring value of the faith. Like on a cold night, you cherish that flame. You do not let it go out. You need the warmth. Brothers and sisters, this is how we must look at our faith. This is how we must consider our faith. Is your faith growing cold? There There is nothing else to consider. That is the first priority of your life. When the cold is creeping in, do not think of other things. Do not go to other things. Consider your faith. Is your faith being, being fanned into flame? Is it rekindled or does it grow cold? What is your faith? What does the flame look like right now? and do you know that apart from faith there's only coldness and death there's so many things that would that would quench the flame on this earth. Consider for Timothy, he's still in Ephesus. We read in 1st Timothy about all kinds of opposition. We're gonna continue to read in 2nd Timothy about all kinds of opposition. It'd be tempting to say "Why, why, why continue in this fight? Why fan the flame? Why press on? Why be steadfast? Why endure? There's all this opposition. And then Timothy's facing all of this opposition as 1 Corinthians 16 might say describes him as a, maybe a naturally timid person. Maybe you've heard the phrase timid Timothy. So now I've got to face all of this opposition and I have to do it with with a timid personality that would naturally shy away from doing that. And then throw on top of that there's some level of, of health trouble and pain. First Timothy 5 verse 23. We, we know he has some discomfort. He has some health trouble. Opposition. A personality that, that wouldn't want to face that opposition. Health trouble. Paul knows these things. He prays daily for Timothy fan into flame your faith, Timothy. What opposition are you facing? What is your personality and and what what proclivity to sin does your personality have? Are you naturally timid? Does that make you shy away from things? Are you maybe boisterous and maybe you have to guard especially against boiling up in anger and things like that? What pain are you facing? Whatever the opposition, whatever the things going around inside or outside the church, Timothy's facing all this opposition inside the church, whatever your personality and, and whatever whatever sins your personality would pull you towards, whatever uh, whatever pains you are struggling with, fan into flame, rekindle your faith. Do not let the flame go out. And make this your prayer for yourself. Make this your prayer for others as Paul prays for Timothy. How do we keep the flame going? Well, prayer, looking back at verse uh, 3, is, is one of the things. Let's consider two other important ways to keep the flame going. And the first one, uh, this, is, this is really the essential one, and we're going to come back to this in in point three. We keep the flame going by, by trusting in Jesus Christ, by keeping our eyes on him. Every day, every season of our life, keep your eyes upon Christ. And brothers and sisters, here's a promise. As we are trusting in Jesus Christ, The flame will not go out. We're kind of putting together illustrations a little bit now, but they all relate to flame and to the fact that the flame must not go out. What is the prophecy of Isaiah repeated in Matthew 12, verse 20? A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. A smoldering wick, a barely burning candle flame. When we are keeping our eyes on Christ, when we are trusting him, he holds his people and even the smallest flame will not go out. Second, well third, if we go from prayer to the central one of keeping our eyes upon Christ, what's another way to keep the flame going? It's to use the means of grace which God has given to us. The spiritual nourishment of the Lord's table and not forsaking the gathering together and all of these things. Again, now we're, we're kind of using all kinds of different flame illustrations, but, but do, you, do you know the, the old account? It's one of those things where we don't, is it a parable or did this really happen? But have you heard the old account of the, of the minister who goes over to the member's house and the member has not been attending church for, for some weeks or, or months? And uh, the minister comes and and says, well, "Why are you not attending to uh, God's people gathered together you know there's not a health issue here there's not what's what's going on and, and, the, and the man simply says well, I, I just I don't think I need it why, why do I need to be with God's people and and then the the minister in the again it's like is this a parable did this really happen it's so old we're not even sure but the minister in the in the parable in the account, he, he takes the, the tongs because he sees the fire burning. This was some time ago, back in the days when houses were worn by fires. And he takes the tongs and he and he grabs one of the embers and he takes it out of the fire and he places it a little a little bit apart. And then the minister sits down and the minister and the member watch that ember quickly grow cold and die out. And the member Looks at the minister who still not said a word and says, okay, pastor, I'll be in church on Sunday. Keep the flame going. And don't, don't do it on your own strength. Look to Christ. Use the means of grace that God has given to us to be together, to be the flame of faith together as God's people. Do not Not let the flame go out. There is enduring value to faith unlike all the treasures of this earth which pass away. Now, trusting in Christ. We've spoken of that already, but now we consider it more as we come to our third point. Because our third point is stand in the faith but really it's be united to the faithful one. Because to some some degree we can speak about what we believe, we can speak about the truths that we are called to believe, but ultimately, finally, we speak not about what we believe, but we speak about whom we believe. Because finally, faith is trusting a personal trust in the person of Jesus Christ. Be united to the faithful one. Stand in the faith in Christ. In Christ. That's that's a key phrase. Uh, It's it's one of those small phrases full of meaning that the Apostle Paul uses again and again. He uses it seven times in the four chapters of this letter. Uh, We see it uh, in... We we see it in... uh, in verse nine. We see it also in verse 13 of this chapter. Consider that phrase, in Christ Jesus. What does it speak to, especially in verse nine? It speaks to the fact that we're saved in Christ Jesus. We are not saved, middle of verse nine, because of what we do, we are uh, we are saved because of His own purpose and grace. I was looking at First Timothy. Now, just verse Second Timothy. It's also in verse one that we see the phrase in Christ. But here's verse nine, Second Timothy one, verse nine. Who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus. This uh, this is it, whom we believe, whom we stand firm in, to be united in Christ, to be united by faith to the faithful one. All of this is part of the salvation, which is the eternal purpose of God. Again, it has enduring value. It's a, it's a plan which came before time began. It's a plan of salvation which gives, gives life and immortality beyond the ends of this life, beyond the ends of this earth. Oh, there is an enduring value to faith and it is it is very plain that we 're speaking not just about life and death here as we come into verse ten, but we 're speaking about eternal death and eternal life, because what is the contrast of death the death that is abolished by Christ in verse ten what is what is that tied together with it 's tied together with the gift of life and immortality again this is this is something we 've said uh, a few times in the last few months, but Again, the, the death of Jesus Christ is not just the laying down of one's life for another person. It's not just jumping in front of the of the bullet to save another person's life. That doesn't have enduring value. It's a beautiful act of love. It's a most most beautiful kind of act of love. But we are all dust, and all of us to dust will return. If somebody jumps in front of a bullet for another person, that person will just... Die another day. But that is that is not what Christ does. When Christ abolishes death, when Christ takes death for us, we're not just talking about saving someone's life on this earth. We're talking about the abolishing of eternal death. We're talking about the gift of life and immortality. That is what Jesus Christ accomplishes. That is what faith looks to it is enduring value it is eternal life this is what we receive when we hear the gospel now the language uh, the language is is emphasized on preaching here because it's the apostle paul to the new testament preacher timothy but 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 the but the truth that we need The end of verse 10, the light of the Gospel. It's not just what preachers must proclaim, it's what hearers must hear. How do we have this light and immortality? By the light of the Gospel. There is nothing else which brings us this enduring value. This is what lasts forever. The Gospel When by faith we stand in Jesus Christ, that is what is forever. So brothers and sisters, do you heed that light of the gospel? Stand in Jesus Christ. Do you cherish this? Have you ever visited with an aging saint who is losing his or her memory? It is one of the most painful things to see on this earth. Cherished memories, they're gone. There have been saints who reach a point where there is really only one thing that their mind can cling to anymore. They forget the names of sons and daughters. They do not know who steps into the room with them. But there have been saints like this who hear the name of Jesus Christ. And their face is can light up with joy. Is this what you cherish above all else? Is this what you hold on to till the very end? This is how the psalmist said it in Psalm 146, verse 2. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Fan into flame, rekindle, never ever let your faith die out. Trusting in Christ, it will never die out. And cherish to the very end faith in Christ above all else. And this endures beyond this life. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, our Lord.